Like, well, the, I mean, that's the thing with Mark, though. Like, yes, he's gonna have a little bit. He, he's like the equivalent of a Rondo for us. What Rondo was last year, and you know, Rondo came up big in the playoffs. But the the thing with Mark, he's so damn slow, and, and I know he has a high IQ, but he gets in bad foul trouble. And when he gets in foul trouble, we have no other center. I mean, you do have another center. He just doesn't feel like playing center. <laughs> that, that, okay, we don't have another center. That's why. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast. I had to go to CBA school, salary cap school, and tampering school. Can't say, hey, I want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink, winking like. <laughs> On basketball and other shenanigans. I mean, good for you. I mean, you probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon because <laughs> you don't got that clutch connection. I have a job to do. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, I say, man. Hey, I say, hey, yo, Jermichael, he turns around. I'm like, you know Lakers coming for that ass this year, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eddie Sun. Some voters just like to be contrarian, you know, whether it's for clicks, whether it's for just because you they like to be, be contrarian. contrarian. Yes, you do. That's true. I feel like Eddie going to be the type to be like, case. MVP? James Harden. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those analytics to analytics. And Julio Martinez. Braun just frustrates me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You've been hyping up this game. Obviously, it's a big game. He he looks juice for it. Bro, just score the ball. Everybody just thinks I'm a hater. That is blasphemous. And, and, and you know what's that reminiscent of? That was, you know, MVP Steph season. Uh, right? Here we go. He was getting here we go. Game. All right, y'all. It's been a he great episode. Fourth quarter. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm your host, Eddie Sun, joined by the usual suspects, Reagan Griffin Jr. and Julio Martinez. On this episode, we'll go over some potential trade candidates talk about the abrupt firing and hiring going on in Minnesota. But first, the biggest news to come out of the day is the All-Star teams. And in my opinion, this is probably the worst All-Star team selection in a, a, a while. Maybe the most wild one that I can remember, but also, you know, recency bias, who knows. But um, I don't know, there was a lot of snubs, like Devin Booker was a snub. We all determined he was a lock on the previous episode. Chris mm-hmm. Middleton was a snub. Um, Demonta Sabonis was a potential snub. Uh, maybe Gordon Hayward, if you're, you know, if you think like me. Um, that was we don't even want to get back in. Mike, Mike I mean, Conley, but, maybe. I, I'm, so I don't know, but like, what do you guys think? Who's the biggest snub? Are, are these results crazy? Are the coaches deranged for picking these players? So, so before naming any uh, player, you know, in particular, I, I do want to maybe not criticize, but just you know, set the, set the record straight in, in terms of like, how can, how can you have so many snubs or, or, you know, Jalen Rose put this perfectly. Please do not mention any snubs. If you, if you're not going to name, you know, players who should be off the list, mm-hmm. like that, that just, that doesn't make sense. It, it's, it's something, you know, we do in the NBA as analysts, as, uh, <laughs> You know, as people who follow and watch the NBA, like my like, oh, that guy's top, top ten five. Oh, that guy's top five too. <laughs> and, and, and really, you end up with like twelve guys in the top five. Right. So, although you know, I had uh, you know Deep Book in there, um, and a few other guys in there like Chris Middleton who didn't end up making it. But you know, my beef more is with you know people saying, "Oh, these all like they had like ten snubs on there." And, you know, there's not 10 guys that you would take off. And then another issue that I had, I saw um, your boy Christian Wood, Reagan, say, you know, oh, bro, I should have made it. You missed, like, over half the season, dog. Hey, man. You know, you you didn't have to do all that. You you only bring up Christian Wood in a negative context. Should Christian Wood have been an all-star? Probably not, but you know my boy's been hooping. We'll give him some time when Houston gets a better roster around him. We'll see what happens. But you know, Christian Wood, shout out to you, man. You've been playing well this year. wasn't your year this year. It wasn't Jai's year this year. None of my guys got there. But you know what? It'll happen eventually, and it's gonna be live. But let's go ahead and get into some snubs, man. Like, we can all agree, Devin Booker. Oh, what the hell? That's ridiculous. Like, 
for the fact that there's someone else on his team and like you could make a very strong argument for Chris Paul and everything that he's provided to that Phoenix Suns roster this year in terms of leadership in terms of his play on the court in terms of organizational things on and off the court like that's great but there's been a clear-cut best player for that team this year and it's been Devin Booker hands down impact maybe Chris Paul but I would even argue that impact still goes to Devin Booker there's no way that you can make an all-star list and have somebody from his team let alone not have Devin Booker on there but have somebody on his team on there that's not him it makes zero sense to me and I mean like you know what's really going on here is that I know you guys called me crazy for disregarding positions um when I'm pick when I was picking my squads last week on our episode but the truth is you know like because all of these coaches had to think about you know, oh, I had to put in a center and forwards. Like, you ended up with some players that probably didn't deserve to make it over others. Um, like, if you go to the East, to me, like, Domanus Sabonis and Julius Randle have been good this year. Like, they've put up numbers, but, like, they're not they're not better than Chris Middleton and uh, Bam Adebayo. You know, like, not even close. Um, and, I mean, people talk about Julius Randle. He got his, you know, 20, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, or whatever he's averaging. Like, the Knicks' offense is, like, 25th in the league. Like, same thing with Sabonis and the Pacers. Like, him putting up, you know, like, baby Jokic numbers, that offense is, like, mediocre, you know? So, like, to me, that, that's just a vendetta I have. It's, like, these big men are, are, you know, they're skilled, they're putting up numbers, and it's not just, it's really not impacting their team a lot. But, you know, we're showing them a lot of love for it. Um, but, I don't know, to me, the Chris Middleton one is really egregious. Like, even more so than the Devin Booker one, because the Eastern Conference sucks, and Milwaukee's one of the few teams that is actually good in the East. I know they've underperformed a little bit, but they're actually good. You know, not even the Celtics can say they're good. Um, and Chris Middleton has played like a top 15 player this year, um, impacting winning stats, 50-40-90 efficiency, whatever you want to, you know, put there. Like, he's been legitimately really good. Um, and it's not like he's flown under the radar now. He's been an all-star for two years in a row. So, I mean, that snub, and you guys know how much I love Chris Middleton. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, um, another name for me, I would have obviously, just like you guys mentioned, switched out D-Book for, for his teammate CP. But again, man, I, I was thinking about this today even more, and I came to the conclusion that I would not have AD on there. And I know you guys may think I'm crazy, but I'd rather give that spot to a guy maybe like Mike Conley or DeMar DeRozan. I was or gonna say, how do we... maybe De'Aaron Fox, but th- those are three names that I feel like I would give the nod to. I, I don't know if uh, m- maybe it's me, you know, being a Laker fan and being super frustrated with AD this year and how he and how he's you know played and performed. But yeah, I, I came to the conclusion today that I, I would not have given it to uh, to AD. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not sure if I can get with you all the way on that one, man. Because even though it, it's at times not had been the AD that you know I was ready to say is a top three player in the NBA after last season, it hasn't been that AD. But looking at things in a vacuum and whether or not I think he's better, he's been better than DeMar DeRozan, I would say yes. And I, DeMar DeRozan is another guy I feel like we should talk about a little bit more in depth whether or not he should have made the team. But I would say Anthony Davis has been better than DeMar DeRozan. I would say Anthony Davis has been better than De'Aaron Fox. I would damn sure say he's been better than Mike Conley. Like Anthony Davis, even if it's like 80% of what we expect from Anthony Davis, that's still far and away a top 10 NBA player. So um, I get it, frustration, but he still he still deserves to be on there by my estimation. But that's know. just me though. That's I, just me. <laughs> I mean, we we did this last episode, but I hope because the AD injury is going to open up one spot, and that's going to go to Devin Booker, yeah. like almost certain. Um, I just wish Mike Conley made it in some capacity, and like yeah, we don't, and, and 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 we don't have to do this Gobert thing again. But like we don't have to give people that have no offensive skill in all star. Bro, position. no, no, okay. <laughs> like, we, to hell we with that. Gobert has been good this year. Like I know, and he's been he's been great. He's been insane. He's been, he's been the, the the cornerstone of that defense. But also, that's been very very good. He has, I know the offense has been the difference for the Jazz this year, but we can't not acknowledge the fact that Rudy Gobert has been playing his ass off this year he's He's great but he's made an all-star team nothing that he really does to me warrants feeling like we're obligated to select him because you don't care about defense that's fine i'm just saying it's it's a better gesture to finally let mike conley y'all had y'all chance to give mike conley his flowers when he was in memphis and you didn't anyways we don't have to do this again you didn't 
Um, let's move on to Minnesota real quick. And um, just to give a primer of kind of the timeline of things. So first you had Minnesota hiring Ryan Saunders in, in I think like 2018, midway through the season after they fired Tom Thibodeau. Um, the offseason after they hired Gerson Rosas as their GM from Houston. Um, they tried to make that work for a year, but as front offices tend to work in the NBA and in any sports league, really, um, if you have a GM who didn't pick their head coach, they would want to pick their head coach. And for whatever reason, they decided it was time to switch head coaches in the middle of the season, in the middle of a terrible season, a league worst season. Uh, Ryan Saunders was fired. Chris Finch was hired directly off of Toronto's bench as their head coach. Um, I know there's been a lot of questions about the process, you know, skipping over traditional hiring practices, skipping interviews. Um, obviously, it's not a good look, especially because they have a well-respected assistant coach on their bench, David Vanterpool, who was good in Portland as a defensive coach. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting to me because Chris Finch is a name I've heard thrown around a lot. When he was in New Orleans with the AD Boogie teams, he did some really creative stuff there with their offense. And um, like, I'm glad that he's a head coach because I think he can do some cool stuff there in Minnesota. Um, but at this point for me, you know, I feel like I tried to believe in Minnesota two years ago. I kind of was maybe a little bit optimistic, but you know, sometimes I just have to come to my senses. Uh, when, when, when an organization, when an organization is run so poorly, like they are, and even the hiring like this, the process is so terrible, you know, I feel like, Bad things are bound to happen, but I'm wondering garbage, how you guys feel about garbage, it. Garbage, man, garbage. It's all these, uh, and I always say it: these teams with good young pieces. Where does it actually end up working? Golden and State. obviously, Boston hasn't won a championship, but they've gone far into the playoffs. That's a good organization, you know, dating back year. They, they, them, and the Lakers obviously have the most championships with 17, um, or, or you know the Jazz building around their young star in Donovan Mitchell, who do you surround him with? Bogdanovich, uh, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles. These are dudes who, uh, and I'm not trying to bag on, you know, younger players, but these are older guys, you know, with veteran experience who, you know, are going to fit around a young star well. And it's not just, you know, throwing to get, this is something we talked about, you know, uh, before we started the podcast. It's not just throwing around, you know, Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Clarkson together. And it's not, you know, it doesn't add up all together to make this, you know, it, it doesn't go to the sum of their parts. You need, you, you just need a good organization and you need good veteran presence. Um, and I, I'm just not surprised at all. And my biggest takeaway here is what Cat, you know, what Cat said. He found out when he was eating pizza with his dad. Seriously? That's how you treat your best play, your franchise cornerstone player. You're not going to tell him, "Hey, you want to fight?" We we think you know we're thinking of moving off off of this coach. Like, are you with that? Um, do you want to have input? You know, on the next coach, uh, are you okay with doing this? But having your best player find out like that, not being involved. Come on, man. C- come on. This is bad, and Cat has to ask for a trade. I mean, he's we, not gonna. He's not gonna do anything there. You gotta ask for a trade. We we know that Minnesota is not a very well run organization, right? That much has been made abundantly clear, and it's been clear for a long time now. Um, we had this conversation earlier, Eddie, this week about like you know just the the hiring process and how there weren't more black candidates considered, and it kind of just seemed out of the, on the spur of a whim that they ended up with Chris Finch. And there's nothing against Chris Finch, right? Like I'm sure he's a good dude, and I'm sure he's gonna do the best job that he can, but it always seems frustrating to me or it is frustrating to me that, you know, the names that come up in rooms in spaces about, you know, who might be a good candidate, the names that's being carried around the league in people's mouths, those aren't ever black people because those aren't the names that generally will register with predominantly white ownership, predominantly white front offices as candidates for for these positions. With that said, Chris Finch, I don't know if you just realized what you stepped into, dog, but like, it's not like it, it seems like a very it's almost like the Knicks. It's like pretty egregiously blown up because we see the Knicks are like they're New York. Right. But it feels almost like the same thing where it's like, I don't know who the fuck the owner is in Minnesota, but things have been bad for so long. You have to point at the common denominator and whether that's the GM, whether that's the owner, 
something's got to give there because nothing's really changed there despite how many number one overall picks, how many young talent they did. It's all been garbage. It's been bad for what? How, how, when was the last time the Timberwolves were good? You went Kevin KG, Garnett was there. Kevin Love, maybe. But were they good then? They were like eighth seed. Jimmy Butler. I mean, Kevin Garnett. Jimmy Butler. I forgot Jimmy Butler was a Timberwolf for a second. Kevin. I mean, there, there's a reason why he left. Everybody wanted to criticize him. That was, um, but he wasn't the problem. Remember so. that? Remember when people thought Jimmy Butler was? <laughs> Jimmy Butler went to Minnesota and was like, "The fuck are we doing here?" And everybody thought he was the problem. <laughs> Look at embarrassing. But the truth is, Minnesota, even with D'Angelo Russell hurt, don't have a seven and twenty-five roster or whatever it is right now. Like, there's too much talent on that team. Carl Anthony Towns, like, I mean, we can disagree on how great we think he is, but he's great. Um, like, they have versatile players like Malik Beasley's good um I like they have good players up and down the roster it, it really doesn't make sense how they're so bad I'm not saying they should make the but playoffs it, or anything but they should at least be competent but if you're cat do you want to keep experimenting with that or would well, you rather you go to you don't but I mean I give it I told Reagan this earlier I give it about a calendar year because in a calendar year uh, he'll, he'll have two and a half years left on his contract and that's about the time players are starting to think about you know their eyes start to wander a little bit. They start to really be, uh, they, they start to get a little more clarity about what they want for their career and not to spend it with, you know, whoever drafted them. So I wouldn't be surprised given a calendar year if he starts, if those rumors really start, you know, going crazy. Y'all remember when D'Lo said, before we learn how to win, we have to learn how to lose? They've learned. <laughs> They've learned. It, it's done. You've learned how to lose, like maybe start winning some games. Because they're good. They have like, I mean... Anthony Edwards is obviously young, and his his field goal percentage isn't that great, and he's still kind of a um, uh, volatile player at times. But there's talent there, and you mentioned it. Malik Beasley's a damn good player. Josh Okoge is a damn good player. Like, they have too much talent on that roster to be that bad. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. And to be fair, one of the craziest things that people keep on repeating lately is how D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns have only played a total of 110 minutes since they've uh, traded for D'Lo. So it, it is a little unfair because you still wonder what they would look like together, and it almost feels like they're supernatural forces preventing them from ever playing together. But, you know, so I guess that's one part of it where you want to see how it works out. But um, let's move on to some trade candidates, um, and we're going to bring up five names. I don't actually know when the trade deadline is this year, but I assume it, it wouldn't be too much later than All-Star break. Mm. Um, the the trade deadline is March twenty something, March twenty something. Interesting. So, um, we all know like last year's trade deadline was pretty crazy. Wonder how it'll shape shape up this year. But a name that's been thrown around today linking um, the Mavs and the Warriors together is Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and I think the what whatever proposed deal was out there was crazy. Like I'm not even gonna talk about it because they had the Warriors giving up the Minnesota pick which isn't going to happen but do we you didn't think they would trade for uh Andrew Wiggins that's true Mm. but they also didn't like egregiously lose the trade um but I don't know is Porzingis a name that Dallas should be shopping around uh his value is clearly the lowest it's been in forever and they're not even done giving away the picks that they traded to New York for getting Porzingis you know, so it's almost like you're cutting your losses before um, you even have a chance to really see it through. So I don't know. What do you guys think of the yeah. rumors, Porzingis no, to I mean, the Warriors? I mean, it, it's a great point that you make that you know you're you're still giving up uh, assets and picks um, that obviously haven't been drafted yet for a guy that you know that you want to get off of. But I think from the Mavericks' point of view, like, hey. We got to hurry up on Luka Doncic, like surrounding him with, you know, talent and seem like a competent organization in front office. Because if not, I f- we feel like this dude might want to bounce, you, you know? And, and I, I just think they have zero belief in Chris Stapps regaining any sort of significant value or what, you know, going back to what his prior value was. So him still being quote unquote young maybe they want to sell that, but I, I just think in my view, they just have no faith because it would make sense, you know, get it, get his value a little bit higher, get him averaging like, you know, 25 a game, play a whole se- play the whole season throughout and then maybe trade him in the off season when he has higher value. But I just think they have 
zero uh, confidence and belief in him to get back to where he was. So yeah. I, I just think they want to get off him. I mean, team doctors have been working with him from the jump, right? Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they've come to some conclusion that perhaps the rest of the league isn't come to or they have some sort of inside information that, you know, his knees might be shot or, you know, he only has, you know, three, four years left before they really start to deteriorate at an um, exponential rate or whatever the case may be. But the fact that they're willing to move on him speaks a lot. Um, but I do think that there would be some teams out there desperate enough to take a swing on him. I don't think he's one of those contracts that, you know, some people perceive the Russell Westbrook contract to be or the John Wall contract. <coughs> Excuse me. I think he's a tradable contract. It'll be a little bit more difficult to trade, but perhaps a team like who's who's in dire straits right now. Um, uh, Washington. <laughs> I mean, maybe Washington would trade for him. Uh, perhaps. I could see Charlotte. That would be kind of fun. I, I could see Charlotte offloading some of those guards or, or some of those bigs to get him. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't think that there's no market out there for Chris Stapps Porzingis because there's going to be some team – Willing to bet on his upside. I mean, the thing with Porzingis is that everyone knows that he's just a tall three-point shooter, really. Like, he doesn't he doesn't even want to play on the interior, even though he's taller he's than everyone on the court. I mean, he's a good role man until he has to, you know, face contact, and then he shies away from it. But, um, and the thing that he, he had value on, on the defensive end was, you know, his, his uh, rim-protecting ability. But, in my opinion, like, it's always been a bit overrated with him because he never had great fundamentals there. He was just, again, t- taller than everybody. But his mobility has, like, really taken a dip. And it's it's very glaring. You know, like, he can't move his feet, like, at all almost. And, you know, that, that's just trouble because, like, big men in this league who can't move their feet are already, you know, a liability. And for him to be to have those knee problems and to be beat consistently on defense... You know, like that's tough because Dallas envisioned a team where Kristaps is like their anchor on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, like he shuts down the interior. Um, if that doesn't work out, they just committed five years and 150 or so million dollars to him. And it's already looking bad in year one. So yeah. and I feel like I mean, team teams are reading uh, the, the leaves, you know, like team, teams are seeing the signs there. So I don't think they're dumb enough to think that Dallas is trying to. Uh, uh, you know, be generous and give away Kristaps Porzingis. They're trying to pawn him off before the issues, the injury issues, really become a, a, exactly. a big concern. Exactly, and and I think if I'm the Warriors, I would kind of take advantage of that because even Kristaps Porzingis at this stage, though he might not turn into the second best player on a championship team or wh- whatever, you know, people may have pegged his potential to be. Um, I mean, there's still a little bit of value there. If if my my point is with Chris Stapps, the Warriors should you know take a look at him and uh, possibly go after him and trade for him, if and only if you know the cost isn't one of the picks or someone like uh, Andrew Wiggins, who I have no value for, but you know teams around the league may Andrew hold Wiggins value is playing for well this the, year. He's doing huh? all, he's doing all right this year, Julio Andrews. I mean, that's great. That that that's great. So <laughs> you don't care. I, I just, okay. You know, I, I hope another team can uh, really see like a Canadian Kobe or Canadian Jordan in him, um, and possibly give give me you know a valuable asset so or player. Um, but my point being is that you know in trading for Chris Dapps, as long as it doesn't cost me a pick or someone like Wiseman or uh, um, uh, a- Andrew Wiggins. I'm, I'm taking a good look at that deal. If it's something like Eric Pascal, Kevin Looney, Kelly Oubre, and like a second round pick. Ain't no way in hell you get Chris Stapp-Porzingis. Okay, I was, so, that's the question I was going to ask is what does a Chris Stapp-Porzingis trade look like? It can't be that. Kevin Looney, Eric Pascal, Kelly fine. Oubre in a second? Fine, I'll give you a future first, but it can't be any of the first that I have this, oh this year. Gosh. I don't know if I would give away a first for him. <laughs> like I, I really don't think I would. A future first, not not these Minnesota picks and these top. Not picks. not even I'm this year's first that might first. be like number fifteen or number twenty. Exactly. I don't like. I oh, wouldn't. I, would. I I wouldn't. I mean, like, I won't even give away Wiseman for him. And you guys know how I feel about Wiseman, but that's really only because I hope you know we can that, land a Bradley Beal with him. As long as it something. doesn't cost something valuable. Now I don't. Other teams deem to be valuable. Um, if then, if I'm trading for Chris Stapps and maybe if I'm a young team that's rebuilding, right, I don't want to give up any of my future assets. But 
the way I view Kristaps Porzingis, and perhaps I'm mistaken in this view, but I feel like he's a guy that's going to be on and off the court, but when he's on, he's going to be good for maybe another two, three years before it really starts to get bad with his knees. If I'm a team that's contending, I'm willing to swing on that, you know, 40 regular season games and hopefully the playoffs for two to three seasons from Chris Porzingis. if that's going to be the thing that takes me over the hump from being a good team to a great team, possibly a championship contending team. If that's what it's going to take, I would give up, you know, if I'm the Warriors, some young assets. Because we talk about Daryl Morey and the idea that if you have a chance to go for that ring and get another championship, you do what it takes to do that, even if you have to take some risks along the way. Uh, there's a big red flag when it comes to Chris Porzingis. That's a risk, but if that's the thing that you think takes you over the hump, to hell with the assets. Go make, go make, give yourself the best possible opportunity to go win a championship. I mean, to me, like slow-footed big men rarely are playable in the playoffs, unless you're Nikola Jokic. Um, Marcus saw. Okay, he's smart enough. Like he got enough IQ. Chris Porzingis has no IQ for that, you know, sort of stuff. Um. <laughs> You know, it's just like again, I mean, I I'm serious though. Like slow slow footed big men just won't, won't won't survive in this league, um. And I mean, shit, we've seen this since 2012. You know, and maybe he can live by stretching the floor out on the other end. But again, it's like I just don't know what sort of value he has if he can't keep up with a guard. Like not even the best guard in the league. He can't even keep up with any guard on pick and roll coverage. Um. I mean, that's a problem. But. I don't know. Let's move on. Talking about guards, Kyle Lowry. Um, he's been kind of thrown around. Everyone links him to Philly because he's from the Philly area. Um, but he, like Toronto's also winning. They're suddenly fifth in the East, I think. They're on a hot streak. They look good. They look dangerous again. You know, Toronto's going to be one of those playoff sleepers yet again. At least, I mean, I think they will be. So here's the question you got to ask yourself is, are we willing to keep Kyle Lowry, ride it out with this team, probably go out in the second round, exactly. or do we recuperate the value that we can for Kyle Lowry while we're still able yes. to before it gets ugly and we're no longer able to trade his contract? That's the question he you got to ask yourself. He, Reagan brought up the best point. What I mean, in, in keeping Kyle Lowry, what are you, what are you accomplishing? What well, here's the thing. What are you getting A second for round exit at best? I mean, there's no point in keeping him and... Uh, I don't want to say waste another career, uh, year of his career, but I mean, that, that's what you'd be doing. Get off of him while you know his value still you know remains kind of high, and Fred Van Vliet's performing well. So that that's what I would do if I was Toronto. The thing I see about it is that is a lot of things. Is that the East sucks? Like I said earlier, yes, it does. They have a path to make the Eastern Conference Finals, and I don't think that's unreasonable. Oh nah, they do. Beating who? Not with Brooklyn. If they don't, and- if they don't face Brooklyn, they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. You think they're capable of beating the 76ers? Probably not. You just you said Philly. You said Philly was S tier team. Okay, if they don't face Brooklyn and Philly, you have to face one, one of the, of the two. two. You, like, what if Brooklyn and Philly play in the second round? How would so they'd have Milwaukee. to be two and three? They're not beating Milwaukee. They're. I don't know. I feel like they might be beating Milwaukee. Let's say let's say Brooklyn finishes fourth because they like lollygag the regular season a bit, you know, and Philly stays first, or or Philly loses some games and they're fourth. They, I'm just saying it's have- not unreasonable that Toronto makes the Eastern Conference Finals because, I mean, I like I've liked their personnel since last year. Have I give them the upper hand about playoff Pascal. You know he's not going to come to play. I mean, Toronto almost beat a Boston team last year that was like. Five times better than the Boston Bro, team this year. I, I, I'm one of the biggest critics of Giannis, but I'm sorry. With with, with I, I don't care if they're struggling or underperforming in terms of last season or the last few seasons. They're they're not losing to Toronto, especially with Toronto not having uh, Kawhi. I mean, they're they're just not beating. Giannis. I mean, not even just Kawhi, right? Like the reason that Toronto was able to hang in there with the Bucks before is because they had a dude like Serge who they could use to anchor that wall. Aaron Baines ain't doing that for you. They don't have anyone that can anchor the maybe Chris Boucher, but he's a little light in the ass, and he's been playing very well this year. I'm not sure they have the same you know ability to build the wall to stop Giannis that they would in years past. And you mentioned it the other day, uh, Milwaukee's kind of diversifying their offense a little more than they have in years past. That no, Toronto can't hang with Milwaukee. No. I don't know. All I know is Nick Nurse has Milwaukee's number, but I'm not even saying it's likely. I'm saying there's a plausible chance, and if you're Toronto, like, why not? You know, like, oh, 
okay. Like that's the, that's the essence of the game. Then, but the but on the flip side of it is that two at this point, like Kyle Lowry is, by my estimation, the face of the franchise. You guys can that's disagree. Fair. That's fair. Um, he is, you know, the biggest representative of the Toronto Raptors in this decade, or I guess the 2010s and now. Um, if he wants to ride out his career there, or at least for this year, um, it's it does more for the franchise to treat your face of the franchise well than it does to try to get a first rounder out of it. Because you'll get more cachet from other stars hey. in the league, other players. They'll think about Toronto as, you know, a, 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 a classy organization if they treat Kyle Lowry well and give them give him everything he wants than trying to recuperate some sort of draft pick value or some young asset for it. Because that's the part of the business that matters too. Yeah. No, I, that so, that I can get so, behind. I can get so behind. So are you idea. were you a big critic I sincerely don't know. I'm just asking out of curiosity. No, are I know you exactly a, what you're gonna were, say were, and he was. Of, Kobe. Of Kobe? Yeah, yeah, of, he was. Of Kobe? Yeah. Were you a big critic of Kobe uh, uh, getting his last contract? Me? Yes. I don't think I had strong feelings about it at the time. Well, either way. I, I, I feel like you would. I really I, feel I, like I, you I, would. No, I, I, I like probably... I mean, I don't remember. I don't even remember when he got that contract. It was like... He wasn't... The he was, point is, he wasn't good anymore. We were just giving him the contract just to... Hey, I mean, everything that I've learned, this, this is not even like an opinionated thing. This is just me like reading stuff about how like front office politics works. Um, Kyle Lowry has a sort of reputation where he's one of those dudes, you know, that um, and, and given what he's done for Toronto, like Toronto's success. I know you talk about Kawhi a lot, but, you know, Kyle Lowry's behind a lot of it. Now, I, I would I, I can get behind that idea. I, I agree 100 percent that, you know, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, if you operate in with people in some capacity, doing right by people is always going to pay dividends in the long run. And, you know, Kyle Lowry's been part of that organization for a long time. You know, we can have an argument about who's the GOAT of the Toronto Raptors. I think it's Vince Carter. Julio thinks it's Kawhi Leonard. You think it's Kyle Lowry. But the fact that Kyle Lowry's name can even be brought up in that conversation speaks a lot to what he means to the Toronto Raptors as an organization. So if we want to say that they should keep him for the sake of doing right by people who have done right by them, I can get behind that argument and say, yeah, go ahead and get with Kyle Lowry. Now, if he doesn't care, get him out of here. (laughs) But But if you guys are Philly... You would want someone like Kyle Lowry, right? I would love oh, to have yeah. someone like Kyle. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, That'd be in a great heartbeat. Fit. Yeah. I just don't know what they would tangibly give up. Maybe like a Maxi. They, they would Maxie. be dumb to give up Maxi. I would for give up Maxi for you half give year. up Maxi for Kyle Lowry? Yeah. Hell no. Because that raises their chances of winning a championship a lot higher. Hell no. If you had Lowry, Simmons, and Embiid, I'd say, you know, Brooklyn might have to watch out. Brooklyn got to watch out right now. They'd have to Bro, watch even more out. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you mean, Brooklyn got to watch out? You got Philly as the favorite. No, I have Bill. Uh, oh, you are talking about him? Okay, yeah. I got, I got Brooklyn as the favorite too, but I'm not. I, I said that before Harden got to Brooklyn. He did. He did. Fair I, enough. And I did say nah, that, bro. But you, you didn't believe in it. You, I said, I said, what? I said, I'd elevate them Stop. slightly above Philly. I still like Philly, even though their shot you selection has been frustrating. Julio's calling the cat. I did say that. I, 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 I wasn't like convinced about Brooklyn, but I did say they were favorites to win the East once they got Harden. No, I still think Brooklyn's the favorite. But to me, when you have a talent like Maxi, and granted, I know I literally just said two seconds ago, if you have a chance at the chip, go all in on the chance at the chip. But you do have to weigh, what is it that our roommates are with? Cost-benefit analysis? Mm-hmm. Like, is Kyle Lowry going to get you that much closer to the championship yes. to where it's worth giving up on the upside that Tyree, Tyrese Maxey has already That's displayed. Did we see what Kyle Lowry did last year? Did we see what Tyrese Maxey has done this year? Like, we nothing. know Tyrese... <laughs> Nothing for me. He no. dropped, like, 40-some points. And he's going to be sitting on the bench in a playoff rotation. Bro, have you not... what Tyrese Maxey's a baller. He's not going to be doing it this year, maybe in, in three years. Man. Kyle Lowry... I mean, it's not even that Kyle Lowry is insanely good and a really good playoff performer now that he's killed all those narratives, but it's that Kyle Lowry is the thing that Philly's missing, a, a lead guard, a guy who can handle, work, work, operate screens, you know, things like that. Um, it fits both ways. Like, if, if Lowry's available and Philly can get him, they'd be stupid to pass up giving up a pick, a young talent for him. You know, I, I think it I think it makes what if, them... what, what if what if they want Maxi Thibault in a second? Yes. Take it. Go ahead. Ooh-wee. Daryl Morey, push all your chips in. 
Ooh-wee. But anyways, we should move on to another player, John Collins. So this is interesting because um, John Collins had that whole thing with Trey Young talking about he's not happy with how Trey Young has led the team or something. He said that? Um, like early in the year when Atlanta he said the was... Offense, the offense revolves too much around Trey. And he what, was what too, is he going to do? Pull up? Like, to, to get some ISO? John... I love you. This is this is like if, this is like if uh, Clint Capella complained that James Harden was dribbling too much when Clint Capella got paid ninety million dollars because of James Harden. John Collins is going to get paid because of Trey Young, um, but that's a separate issue. Um, it seemed like Atlanta was hesitant to commit to John Collins before the season, so I'm sure there's some hard feelings there already. But um, now he's on the trade block again, I guess, or just a name being thrown around connected with the Celtics. Um, I'm wondering if you're Atlanta, would you try to? trade for him or would you still try to see if you can you know extend him after the year maybe pay him a little bit more money than you'd like but keep him a part of the team he don't have a spot there man Uh, as much as I tried to make it or try to envision how it fits and I think John Collins is a good player he can shoot the three ball well he's a very athletic player he can get vertical he has what they call vertical gravity Um, but he doesn't fit into what they've kind of constructed when you think about the fact that they seem like they I mean, Capel is a guy that they can go out and Trey Young can make it happen. And this, I know the way you think, Eddie. This isn't what I'm saying, but you get a guy built in Capella's mold, you can make that work with a lot of different dudes. Um, but when you think about the fact that they have Gallinari there, they have Cam Reddish there, they have DeAndre Hunter, who's played very well this year. Those wing spots are they're going to need time to kind of grow into that role next to Trey Young. And I think we've seen about as much as we we're possibly going to see with John Collins next to Trey Young. And if that's I don't think that ceiling matches that of Cam Reddish. I don't think it matches that of uh, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter. Those are the guys that I want to see play next to Trey Young more so than I want to see John Collins play next to Trey Young. Good player, but I'm not sure Atlanta's the fit for him. I'm not sure Boston would be either, though, honestly. I'm not sure what they'd be trying to accomplish. I mean, for, for me, it's not even so much as the fit as how much he wants. I view that as disrespectful. Like, get out of my face for how much you want. Like, honestly... Honest to God, that, that that's how I feel. Um, but I was going to ask you, Eddie, would you be willing to trade for him? See, the thing you're... about you talking about get out of my face with you know the money is that I had concerns about him defensively before this year, but he's um, he's actually taken a step up. How much of that is because you know Capella's behind him and that helps as a you know backline of defense. You know that all. I mean, but again, like he's also played with a bunch of incompetent guys on bad Atlanta teams before. Um, but whatever it is, like, John Collins has become a player that I would be willing to invest, like, near max money in him for the next really? four or five years. I would, because I think he's special on offense. You don't have guys shooting 60 and 40, you know, come around that often. Christian Wood. <laughs> okay. Um, and then again, like, the, I believe in his defense. Like, I think he's making strides. He's getting there. Um, I know Atlanta has kind of underperformed, but they've had a lot of guys hurt. Um, but when you put Trey, Reddish, Hunter, Collins, Capel in that lineup together, it's been one of the better lineups in the NBA this you, year. They just haven't played together. You're the Minnesota pick for him? You're not getting that Minnesota pick off that, man. Yeah, I don't. Unless it's for Bradley Beal because you talked me into it. I don't know. I'm just saying Atlanta. it's in Atlanta's best interest to uh, get rid of Gallinari and, and Bogdanovich because they didn't need them anyways. Or not get rid of them, but like not think of them as like focal pieces and commit to this young core because this young core has potential and don't get fooled by the fact that they've struggled this year a lot of that's due to injuries and stuff like that like there's still potential there and john collins is i mean john collins is their second best young player um and they should they should commit to that see this is what i feel more inclined to align with julio's kind of ideology in that you know i have the centerpiece here that i know is going to get me to a certain level come playoff time. Um, that's Trey Young, right? Let me take that, and the equivalent would be the Jazz here, what the Jazz have done to surround him with veteran pieces that play well. Let me take that and start surrounding him with a Gallinari, with a Bogdanovich. Uh, DeAndre Hunter's a young guy, but he's taking a pretty good step this year, so I'm willing to put him in that conversation. Rather than John Collins, who I've already kind of seen what you can do with him, and, you know, maybe I have the bias of, like, when they were really bad, it was kind of just Trey Young John Collins out there. But I don't know, man. I, I don't see the role that John Collins plays that well come playoff time. You know what I mean? You're going to need a Gallo out there before you need a John Collins out really? there in the context of that team. I mean, who else is getting you ISO buckets? 
Right, like I know Trey Young can do it, but Trey Young's six three, one hundred and seventy five pounds soaking wet. That's only going to take you so far. You need a guy like Gallo out there before you need John Collins out there. By my estimation, mm-hmm. at least. I just to me, it's one of those things where talents like John Collins don't come around often, and it would just be kind of dumb to not commit to that talent while you have the chance to. Because I think he he does some things that not a lot of players can do in this league. When you talk about athleticism. Uh, you know, like the in, the interior finishing, uh, the leaping, and the, the three-point shooting. You know, like that sort of offensive versatility is rare. That's so, fair. I don't know. And then, like, you know, you brought up Boston. Like, what, what would Boston do with him? Boston just needs anyone that has any sort of athleticism, really. I just, I mean, it's just, they, they should be linked to any sort of name that has size, that can defend the wing positions, and can, uh, you know... Because Robert Williams is, like, the only guy on the roster with plus athleticism. You know, like, they're really losing that sort of energy battle. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown? But you, but you, oh, that's true. Jalen Brown. I did forget. But you, you know Danny Ainge isn't going to pull the trigger. He, uh, he might give Danny's him, gonna like, a second-round pick. Romeo yeah, yeah he's going to be, like, he's going he's to be, like, uh... Romeo give you Ojale <laughs> and, like, a future third-round pick or something. <laughs> Danny, there's no third round in the draft. There, we'll make one, but no. um, I'll send you a printer. <laughs> let's talk about Zach Levine because he's not really a trade chip, but Julio feels like he's entering the zone oh. where he should start. You know, take taking control of his destiny. You know, Player look for look for greener pastures. So let's talk about Zach Levine. Like, make your case. Why do you think he should start? You know, acting like a superstar and wanting out. Oh, man, I love watching this dude play. And if he's not a superstar, this man is the next thing to it. Um, not only, you know, off of his play this year, but you you can just see it in him, man. Even if last year, you know, he wasn't putting up the same numbers as he is this year, um, and his team may be losing, you, you can see it in, in the type of player that he is. You know, he, he just, you know, this year he's playing harder. He's playing with more of a purpose. Um, I think, you know, the change of, of a coach really helped him with, with uh, Billy Donovan, although I'm not the biggest fan of him. I, I think it, it has helped him. Um, but, yeah, man, I just, again, I, I'm a dude who's very pessimistic, and I just think that, you know, he should take his career into his own hands. And, and you know, when you gain this superstar kind of status or you're knocking, you, you know, you're the next thing to it, you earn that right almost in the league to where these teams have to listen to you. And, you know, this is a dude who I personally, I've always advocated like for the last year, maybe that I, this is the dude I want for the Lakers. He's like the same age as uh, AD, he's a little bit younger. Um, he only makes like 18, 19 million this year. But I mean, teams like the Miami Heat, teams like the Golden State Warriors, and especially uh, like a team like the Denver Nuggets, those are all teams that should be, you know, chomping at the bit to try to, you know, trade for this dude because this is the type of guy to send your team into that next, you know, stratosphere of contention amongst teams in the NBA. So th- this is a dude who I just hate to watch great talents on bad teams and horrible organizations. Because you, you can make the NBA so much more interesting if you just went to a better, you know, team and situation. So when it comes to guys like Brad Beal, Zach Levine, Cat, I mean, you just got to get out. No. You got to get out for the benefit of your own <laughs> career. talking about get out, bro. Um, shout out Jordan Peele. I will say, and I kind of agree with you to the extent that it's like you don't want to see a guy waste his career away. But in the same vein, I think it's important to note that it's likely we don't see Zach Levine become the player that he is today if he wasn't in Chicago with, you know, pretty much no other source of offense around him. He was kind of forced to come into his own as a scorer, and it's great to see a guy who kind of came to this league pretty raw, just kind of a leaper with a little bit of game to him, really figure out his role as a scorer and and come into his own. You can tell there was a lot of work put in there for him to take those next steps as a scorer, so shout-out to Zach Levine for that. Um, But, yeah, now might be the time to get the hell up out of there because you do have solid like Patrick Williams is a guy that like sh- kind of shocked me honestly I didn't think Patrick Williams had that much game to him when he got into the NBA it shocked me to see him as a fourth overall pick his film at Florida State definitely didn't speak to any of the things that I see him doing now so that's just on me as a scout for not seeing it um 
Kobe White's a guy that I like at times, but it's like if I'm Zach Levine, like I'm ready to go right now. You know what I mean? I'm not ready. To, I'm not. I'm not willing to keep on sitting here waiting two, three years for y'all to come catch up to me. I'm ready to roll. So I need to go somewhere where they're also ready to roll. So I can completely understand why you would want to see him kind of skate on Chicago or somebody come to Chicago. Chicago's a nice place, man. Maybe he can go get you know Carl Anthony Towns if he's frustrated this time next year to pull up to and, Chicago. And, and I and I mean if you're if you're a team if you're a team like the Denver Nuggets, I'm sorry, but you gotta everybody loves Michael Porter Jr. You gotta take advantage of that. You gotta tra- include him in the trade. Everybody loves include, Michael Porter Jr. except for the Denver Nuggets. Including like him, that. Will Barton, Gary Harris, uh I don't give it that that great passer that they have now. I don't know his name, but what Nikola Jokic? <laughs> no, he's talking about the, uh, the oh the the short European dude, Compasso. Yeah, yeah, his passing. He, he reminds me of uh, JJ uh, Barea, Marcelo Huertas, Marcelo Huertas. <laughs> yeah, I mean these dudes can pass like crazy, but include everyone except Jamal and uh, Jokic. Obviously, you're dragging it. Everyone, you got those three pieces. Everyone, huh? Everyone. Everyone but Jamal and Jokic. Yeah, like make them available. To the oh, Chicago. okay. So you saying take your pick of two or three of these guys? We keep yeah, the yeah, rest. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So yeah. I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm kind of. I'll be curious to see if this happens or not. But I think Chicago next year will be the Phoenix of this year. Um, really? They're like kind of like how Phoenix last year. It was their first year of not being utterly trash. And you started to see the signs that they were about to be good. And now this year, you know, they got Chris Paul. Um, they're taking the leap. And there's a lot of similar uh, parallels in Chicago. It's not a, a well-regarded run organization. People think the front office isn't like the best or, or at least, you know, what their front office used to be with Gar Foreman and John Paxson. Uh, Chicago's a, a prime destination, just like Phoenix is for a lot of NBA players. Um, you have Zach Levine, who is kind of like Devin Booker in terms of players who languished on bad teams, but you know figured out how to really be great NBA players. And you're starting to see like slowly they're putting some solid pieces together. Like Wendell Carter, pretty solid young piece. Patrick Williams, pretty good. And then throw some veterans in there. Sadoransky's kind of good. Thaddeus Young is like a really good like veteran piece. You're about like a little bit away from them becoming. A four seed next year. Four in the seed. God. The four f- seed. A, like a like a B tier Eastern Conference team. Four seed. Who, who's gonna? Okay. Sixers, tell Bucks, me, Nets. T- tell me, tell me, Eddie, Look. which great point guard is gonna come to the Chicago Bulls? It might not it's be not great. Gonna be Dame. It's but, not gonna be Kyrie. But I'll say, even if they get a guy like Ricky Rubio to run the point there and push Kobe White <laughs> to the sixth man. You're going to see that team be solid. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're, you're going to see that no, team no, be solid. No, 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 no. I, I, no, no. Ricky Rubio? Not, that, not you just comparing that, Ricky wait, wait, Rubio I'm not, to Chris I'm not, Paul. I, that's, wait, not, that's not my no, comparison. No, no, no. Wait, wait. Isn't that what you thought this year about the Minnesota Timberwolves getting Ricky Rubio back? That, what is that, your infatuation with you know, Ricky Rubio? Again? You swear to Ricky I didn't, Rubio. I didn't think Minnesota was going to make the playoffs. But Ricky Rubio's good. He's don't, good, but like, he ain't no savior now. Like Ricky Rubio is... Is in many ways a reasonable is reasonably exactly what Chicago needs though, because he's not going to steal touches away from Levine. He can defend, you know. Whereas Levine still needs work there. Um, he knows how to work within the flow of an offense, and especially how Billy Donovan wants to run yo, their offense. Someone, there. Someone, when was the last time Ricky Rubio yo, was on a yo. good team? I mean, he looked really good in Phoenix no, last year. When's the last time Ricky Rubio was on a good team? Those Jazz teams. Yo. Yo, I'm going I'm to just wild. tell you now that if Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, if those dudes have the, the mentality you do, you know, they're going to wake up, oh, shoot, I'm 34 and I'm still in a bed. I'm saying game. Zach God Levine. Damn. You think because, Zach Levine because goes to sleep at night thinking, damn, if I just had Ricky Rubio with you. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> hooping, I'm just saying last year you probably said Devin Booker better find his way to the Lakers. <laughs> But oh, now Devin Booker looks like he's, you know, at I mean, least Devin he's Booker got, got Chris Paul, though. That's the difference. CP. That's the difference. But I'm saying, like, Chicago's doing a lot of right things, and they're, like, on the brink. They're on the brink of becoming pretty solid. Like, I can see it happening. <laughs> I can really see it happening. But, and and oh, you're, like, you're going to stay for pretty solid. Right, that's what I was going to say. Mean, what, like, what's, we're what's, on the brink what's, of, like, almost good. What's, what's Phoenix <laughs> right now? Phoenix is, I mean, I'd say Phoenix is, like, great. I'd say Chicago can be good. 
good to really good. <laughs> what? No, no. But we I'm know that. that. We know it's been proven in, in the history of the NBA and in the last few years that in order to win a championship, oh, you need superstars. Goal, you need superstars. You need multiple superstars. He's not going to get another superstar unless yeah. AD goes. But here's there. the thing to me: Is Devin Booker and Chris Paul going to win a chip in Phoenix? Probably not. But it's like, at but least they're I mean, like, they're a good product. Like so, to me, that's good basketball right there. Let's let's role play. I'm Zach Levine. You're my general manager. <laughs> hey, dog. I, I I can't rock with this no more, man. I don't like this losing stuff. Like something got to change around here, or I'm gonna need to jump ship, man. What we doing? You see how much fun Devin Booker is having in Phoenix this year? I do. That's gonna be us next year. How how we getting from point A to point B? <laughs> you're just you're like, like Ricky Rubio. <laughs> so, I'm walking out so, your office that so, day. And, and, and tell me where on that team they got uh, DeAndre Ayton. What Phoenix? Oh, you mean for Chicago? Wendell Carter is better than Ayton. My ass. I mean, he can be. Oh no! <laughs> you got a whole lot of hypotheticals right there, man. I, I Let's don't not know. pretend like we don't like DeAndre Ayton here. Like, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's good. I okay. I Wendell has never right. stayed healthy, but if well, he can, if he can put eighty, not even eight, like if he can put seventy games together, he's a very quality center. T- t- tell me where they have uh, Macal Bridges. Pat will. In in some sort of way or another. I don't think he's anywhere near the defender, but you know perhaps he's better. I mean, it's a little different. It's not the same thing, but. Again, I I love the veterans they have. Sadoransky and Thad Young are my guys. I don't. I mean, even if they're there next year or not, I don't know. But you know, they can get value for them if they want to trade them now. But, um, I mean, look, I, I, that's just a prediction I'm gonna make. I don't know. Ricky we'll Rubio see. will save the Chicago Bulls. Interesting. I, I we'll have to see how that plays out, man. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I I'm opposed to it. I was gonna say I'm not opposed to it, but I am opposed to the idea. But. <laughs> Right. I mean, if you're Levine and you want to stay in Chicago, the number one thing you should be doing is telling your general manager and owner that, uh, well, first, you should go talk to Cat yeah. and just convince them to, you know, go all in for Cat. Sure. I just, I think Chicago's finally, you know, they got a good GM now. I think Billy Donovan's a, a, a good coach. Maybe not a championship coach you want, uh, a, a coach you want to win you the finals. But I think he's a good coach of young players. Um, it seems like they're drafting well, putting the right sort of stuff in place. You know, Levine is taking all the right steps every year of his career. Like, you're starting to see things fall into place. At least at least that's the vision I see. Hmm. But, um, well, let, let's talk about Blake Griffin then, just to finish off this podcast. Hmm. And I assume we're not going to go too long about him because I guess he's technically a trade piece, but no one's trading for him. I feel bad, man. There, there was a time where you could make the argument that Blake Griffin was maybe even pushing top 10 players in the NBA. And that, that might be a stretch, but Blake Griffin was so good and so impactful. And I know there's been this thing floating around about how many top 10 players or all-stars or all-pro or all-NBA players that Chris Paul ended up making that weren't really products of their own talent, but Chris Paul really helping them out. I would hesitate to say that that was Blake Griffin, maybe in the first iteration of Blake Griffin, right, when he was just kind of jumping out of the gym and dunking on everybody and catching all of these lobs. But when he first got to Detroit, that dude refined his game and took so many strides in IQ, passing ability, skill, ball handling. Like, he really, you could tell, put in a lot of work to become a more refined player and then just to have that taken away because his body couldn't hold up. That's a terrible thing to see, man. That was one of my favorite players in the NBA, and it's just like... I, it's almost one of those things that doesn't even register to me anymore that he was so good because he was, but it seems like a thing of the past. It was not that long ago that Blake ago. Griffin was really, really good. Borderline all-star, but it just seems like it's so far gone and we're so detached from that Blake Griffin that it, it doesn't seem like it's feasible that he ever comes back. I really want it for him, but it's just, it don't seem it don't seem like it's possible. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. The thing with Blake is that, you, you know, you hear a lot of rumors and, and you know, some Laker fans or people, you know, attach the Lakers to any and every name that may become available. Um, the reason I wouldn't want him is, A, because he's not a rim protector. B, we need someone, uh, if you're going to join our team, you better be, uh, you know, dependable. And he's just not that with his injuries. Number three, we need selflessness. I still think he kind of views himself as a, you know, I, I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm not going to, I guess, humble myself to the point where Dwight did last year 
you know, I'm going to be okay with playing 20 minutes one game and zero minutes the next. You know, I, I just don't think he thinks that he's at that point in his career. Um, and then the last thing with Blake is that, you know, with us specifically having AD, Braun, Schroeder, and even Trez, you know, we don't need another scoring punch. Um, and, and that's what that my overarching point is, is that, you know, that that's what kind of Blake Griffin is now. I don't view him really as anything else. He's not a great defender, not a great shot blocker. He doesn't stay healthy. He, you know, I don't really view him as this great team, you know, locker room chemistry type dude. So what can he do? You know, he can get 20 on a given night. But how really, I was thinking about this, what teams really would want to go after? I mean, you could really, I I feel like if he, in the context of the Lakers, you simplify his role to saying, hey, stretch the floor and we're going to use you in the short role because we can manipulate but, defenses. And but if, you, if you're going to go after a big man, for the Lakers, you have to go after get his a rim protector. protector. That's so true. That, yeah, no, we definitely need a rim protector. Um, and, and, and I like me personally, I, give me Marquise over Blake, you know, j- just in terms of the role, you know, that he's played. He's used to playing with the Lakers and Braun. We don't have to adjust to anyone or, you know, add a new chip to the table. Um, but, yeah, I, I was thinking about the Celtics – Nah, uh, I don't really see any other teams that would be pushing for Blake Griffin. I will say, Bron has a funny way of getting dudes to buy in. It's not too often you see a dude pull up on a LeBron James-led team and not be willing to play the role that they're asked to play. You're going to have to remind me of the time that that happened. But Isaiah times, Thomas. <laughs> you saw what happened to him. That dude's playing what the... the I don't what's, the, what's the league that they're playing in now? It's like the... USA. FIBA, USA. USA, yeah, it's like that dude probably belongs in the league. Honestly, like I can't think of whatever. That's besides the point. Point being, if Blake Griffin were were hypothetically to be a Laker, I don't think it would be a concern of mine that he wouldn't be willing to play the role just because he knows kind of what's at stake and what he was brought in to do. But I mean, what what re- real teams would want to go after him? I thought Phoenix would be interesting, just as a stretch four. Hmm. Maybe you know. Chris okay. Paul reunite. I don't even know if but, they like each other yeah, like that. Yeah, CP wouldn't want that. So, no, that. that's off the table. I don't know though. Like Charlotte, I don't know why things keep registering <laughs> for Charlotte. I just like watching Lamelo Ball play. Charlotte, maybe um, the Knicks. Just have mm-hmm. PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, and just have the younger Blake Griffin. You know, he said the mm. Knicks like they need another power forward. I um, mean, Tom Thibodeau loves bad knees. Um, <laughs> I could see him ending up like maybe not Philly because him and Doc didn't rock like that, but I could see him ending up somewhere with a relationship that he had when he was in uh, the Clippers. Um, I'm trying to remember who was his coach before Doc. Uh, Vinny Del Negro. Oh, okay. He's not around. That's not gonna. But yeah, it would be something like that where it's like a, a previously established relationship where he would be able to kind of go in and just just little... just put him on the nuts, bro. Just put him on the nuts. He can, be a, he can be a cheerleader. I mean, I guess just last thing before we go that Blake Griffin, like you mentioned, Reagan, you know, like he, he did refine his game for longevity. But, you know, it really sucks. Like it, it really sucks that he did all that and it didn't even matter. You know, like the health still got the better of him because he was doing stuff later in his career that made him a great player and it didn't even require the leaping ability. Um, and, it, and it just kind of sucks that even that didn't allow him to, you know, prosper late into his career. And, yeah, like, that is pretty sad because I think – I forget if I put Blake Griffin on, like, my all-decade second team of last decade or something. But he but he was genuinely, you know, like, that sort of player. Um, and it just kind of sucks that, like, I feel like no one even remembers him anymore. That does – that just, you know, that really does just – I don't know. I guess the, the injuries really will take away from a player, but – I mean, he's definitely more of a buyout candidate now than he is a, a a trade candidate. The thing is, they can't even, like, the Detroit would have to cough up a hell of a lot of money. Either that or Blake Griffin would have to li- give up a lot of money, which I don't think you could really ask him to do at this stage in his career with like, the injuries that he sustained. He's probably not going to be willing to give up that much money, so Detroit would have to cough up a fucking bag to buy him out, which I'm not sure they even have the capability to do at this point in time. Or they could stretch his contract, perhaps. But we know how much of a pain in the ass that can be, so I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. So it's, Honestly, it's a tricky situation. A team that I could see going after him would be Portland. Mm, that's not a bad option. Mm. I think the Portland Trailblazers, like 
going after Mellow, they kind of showed me how they kind of operate. Um, <laughs> so I, I think they would go after after uh, Blake. You rolling out the Carmelo, Blake Griffin, and Nez Cantor lineup? Terry Stotts would, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but, alright, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Um, whoever's really hitting our, our listenership. Yeah, and, and turned our... Turned yeah, whoever, our... <laughs> whoever's, whoever's running our uh, episodes, running it up, running our listenership up, we appreciate it. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning into episodes now and then, we also appreciate that. Um, be sure to check out the socials, as always, at SQR1Media on Twitter and Instagram. Um, the Twitter's always popping. I'll always be you know, providing my thoughts there. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast. just texted me he said hey bro sometimes i can't handle your boy reagan on the podcast me (laughs) the fuck i be doing i don't even (laughs) bro he this motherfucker listened to you and you and he says i be wildin i'm the most like conservative motherfucker on here no 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 nah bro bro, he'll have to see me spitting the most facts